Yes, 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 ladies and germs all over the world, welcome to episode 26 of Prime Talk with yours truly, the one and only Rodimus Prime, here on this Thursday, February 27th, 2020. I don't know why I said 2019, 2020. I don't know, for some reason I'm still in 2019. I don't know why. But anyway, Thursday, February 27th, 2020, I am the one and only Rodimus Prime. Um, hope everybody out there is doing pretty good. Hope your weekend is going to go swell. Hope your weekend has, hope your week has been pretty decent. Mine has been pretty decent, I guess. Um, been having two straight days off, so I'm headed back to work tomorrow. I sure as hell don't want to go, but you know what? You got to do what you got to do. Uh, anyway, just a few things on tap, just a few things to talk about, but let's get to some news, some quick news and notes, if you will. Uh, first off, we have a new Universal Champion. That's right, Goldberg defeated The Fiend. And I'm so glad I didn't watch this, because I figured that WWE would do some shit like this. Like I said, I'm glad I didn't watch it, so it's very curious to see how everything is going to shape out as far as The Fiend is concerned. Who Goldberg will defend the Universal Championship against. So yeah, WWE found a way to make fans very angry. And there's a lot of buzz going around about that. So uh, yeah, Goldberg defeated The Fiend at Super Showdown. I don't know why, but whatever. Uh, This past Monday, they had the memorial for the late, great Kobe Bryant. Now, as I mentioned uh, last week, on the uh, last episode, however, he was buried in a private ceremony. Um, they had a public ceremony at the Staples Center. You know, a guest of who's who was there from Shaq, uh, Michael Jordan, Steph Curry. Uh, his wife, Vanessa, was there. She gave a very nice, touching speech in honoring her late husband and her daughter, Gianna. Uh, I did like what Michael Jordan said as he talked about the uh, crying face meme and stuff like that but he did say how when Kobe died a part of him died and other people felt the same way and that's basically how it was I mean Kobe's death was um very unexpected it was very unexpected and you know we never we didn't know that this was going to happen I mean nobody knows But it was just one of those things, one of those shocking things like, what the fuck just happened, you know? And Kobe Bryant, you know, Kobe Bryant is definitely going to be missed. His daughter is definitely going to be missed. But, you know, Vanessa and the rest of their kids, they're going to find ways to heal. So uh, thoughts and prayers are still with the Bryant family. Uh, His mom and dad, his two sisters, you know, unfortunately had to sit there and remember their son and their brother. You know, instead of celebrating him when he goes to the Hall of Fame, they had to remember him in another way. But Kobe Bryant's legacy does still live on, however. So again, rest in peace to Kobe. Thoughts and prayers continue to go to the Bryant family. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Let's talk some New Japan. Um, Due to the ongoing crisis, which is known as the coronavirus, New Japan Pro Wrestling came out Wednesday and announced that they have canceled some some shows uh, from March 1st through the 15th. Now, I had to kind of cut some things out. I had to readjust the show before recording. Um, 
The New Japan Cup brackets got released Tuesday, I believe. And this year's field was going to be a field of 32. Now, I had already had my uh, predictions planned out. I already predicted who was going to win. And plus, they were going to have their um, 48-year anniversary show on the 3rd. The main event was going to be Tetsuya Naito in a non-title match taking on Hiromu Takahashi in all LIJ affair. Unfortunately, that will not happen. So again, due to the ongoing crisis of the coronavirus, uh, dates from March 1st through the 15th as far as New Japan Pro Wrestling goes have been canceled. So I don't know if they're going to be at a later date or what, but unfortunately, you know, no New Japan Pro Wrestling for a while. But I'm fi- but I'm sure they will um they will come up with something. You know, some some dates will be rescheduled or whatever the case may be. So I can understand it, you know, people's safety and their health come first. So, you know, it's a big blow to New Japan, but you know, everything will be alright. You know, they'll find a way to bounce back through all of this known as the coronavirus. Uh the NFL Combine began today. I'm watching it right now. Uh, they're doing the quarterbacks. They started off with the tight ends. It's quarterbacks, receivers, and tight ends. Um, so I'm very anxious, I guess, to see how the quarterbacks do. I'm mainly looking forward to seeing, excuse me, how the quarterbacks do. And, you know, we got the draft coming up in April, so on and so forth. And speaking of the NFL, I want to talk about this. Because I don't know how y'all feel. To me, this don't make sense. Uh, You know, they got the new CBA or whatever. And they're proposing some new things as far as the NFL is concerned. Um, They're proposing, one, a 17-game season. Um, Also, more more teams to enter the playoffs. First of all, I do not like that whatsoever. Again, I don't know how y'all feel about it, but... I don't like that. From what I've seen, they want a they're proposing a 17 game season, three preseason games, and seven teams, I believe, to enter the playoffs from in, from each conference. Okay, here's my thing on that. This is my thing. And I don't like this whatsoever. Why would you want to add more games to the regular season? Why? You already play enough as it is. Why do you need to add more when you already have enough? I don't understand that. If you're going to do that, if you're going to add 17 games to the season, why not just get rid of the preseason altogether? Why? Because nobody gives a gives a crap about the playoff, about the preseason. Just get rid of the preseason if you're going to add more games to the regular season. If you're going to add more teams to the playoffs, Get rid of the preseason. That's like baseball, for example. Baseball is on its way back. What are they doing right now? Spring training. Preseason. Who cares about spring training? Who cares? NFL. Preseason. How many games did they play? Four. Who cares about the preseason? Because half the people who play during the preseason are not actually going to make the team. That does not make sense. And apparently the players, last I heard, or last I saw, are very divided by this. And so they should. Why are you going to propose a 17-game season? It makes no sense. 
It makes no sense. Like I said, if you're going to do that, just go ahead and get rid of the preseason altogether. Because nobody gives a shit about the preseason. So that's how I feel about it. Anyway, uh, like I said, I had to uh, cut some things out. I was going to do the show yesterday. I didn't have time. So, uh, like I said, I had to readjust the show. I will give my predictions, however, on AEW's revolution. I I will uh, talk about that at the tail end of the show. And I'll talk about last week's show, including last night's show, a very strong go-home show last night on AEW Dynamite. I'll get into that in just a little bit. But let's backtrack for a second. Um, Let's talk about AEW Dynamite last week when they were in Atlanta at the State Farm Arena. Uh, We kicked off the show from last week with a tag team battle royal. Now, the winners of that match were going to get a tag team title shot against Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks at Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, sorry, at Revolution. The tag team titles will be on the line. So you had the Young Bucks, SCU, the Dark Order. You had um, the Lucha Brothers, so on and so forth. Uh, But the Young Bucks, they ended up getting the victory. Matt got the victory for his team. Now, if both members of the team were eliminated, then they were done. The whole team was done. Matt, he survived through all the other... He survived all the other teams, TH2, so on and so forth. So the Young Bucks are the number one contenders for the tag team titles. They will be going on to Revolution to face Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Next, we had Shanna taking on Chris Statlander. I thought the match was uh, the match was good. Of course, Britt Baker was on commentary. Um, Chris Statlander got the victory. We would see more of her a little later. Uh, Nyla Rose, she came out there for an interview with Tony Schiavone. Basically, show basically talking about her dominance now that she is the new AEW World's Women's Champion, and I still stand by this. A week later, this to me is the line of the year thus far, as far as professional wrestling goes. She said, "Do you know what I do when I get hungry? I break bitches," and I just laughed because I thought that was so funny. Like I said, the line of the year thus far in wrestling. Out came Chris Statlander. She got in her face, gave her a little boop uh, to the title with her little finger or whatever. And Nyla did not like that. Out came Big Swole. Big Swole got in the face of the champion. So she looks like she wants some of the smoke as far as Nyla Rose and the AEW Women's Championship is concerned. So I did like that little segment there. Uh, Next, we had John Motsley taking on Jeff Cobb. I guess the hired hitman, if you will, of the inner circle. Uh, This was good. Uh, I enjoyed this match. Of course, uh, the inner circle was at ringside on commentary. Chris Jericho was. The inner circle attacked because John Moxley got the victory over Jeff Cobb. Out came Dustin Rhodes and Darby Allin. Now, we haven't seen Darby Allin in the last few weeks. If you remember, Darby uh, had his skateboard smashed against his throat by Sammy Guevara. And he was coming for retribution, if you will, against Sammy Guevara. Uh, Dustin and Sammy, you know, they cleared house. And during the commercial break, um, Darby Allen took some cue cards, basically explaining that he's challenging Sammy to a match at Revolution. 
And he even did the same thing last night on this week's episode. So it was made official later on in the show. Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara at Revolution. The AEW World Tag Team Championships were on the line as Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega defended the championships against Ray Phoenix and Pentagon Jr., known as the Lucha Brothers. My, oh my, this was a badass match. This match was hella awesome. You got two of the best teams in AEW. You got one team who are just fantastic in their own right. You got one makeshift team who basically shot the world, if you will. And these two teams just went out there and they just killed it. Um, Of course, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page got the victory. They still remain your AEW World Tag Team Champions. A fantastic match, I might add. But again, Page and Omega retain heading into uh, Revolution. Uh, Then the main event, we would have a steel cage match. Um... Involving Cody taking on Wardlow. Now, this was one of the three stipulations that MJF proposed uh, setting up their match for Revolution. One of the stipulations was that Cody could not touch MJF. If he did, then there was no match. We saw that he took the ten lashings from MJF. That was two of the three stipulations. This was the last one. That cage was pretty tall. I mean, it was kind of like a hell in the cell, like what you would see in WWE. But, you know, there was little room between the ring and the floor. Uh, Even though this was Wardlow's first match that I've seen personally, I got to say Wardlow was pretty impressive. I mean, he still got a lot of work to do, but he was pretty impressive in his AEW debut. Cody, he was bleeding uh, as he got rammed up against the cage. But he prevailed. One part of the match is where he did a moonsault. He literally did a moonsault off the top of the cage. He did mention in an interview like a day or so later that he fractured his toe. He didn't break his toe. He fractured it. But in the end, he got the victory. Of course, MJF was trying to get involved. Brandy and Arn Anderson was at ringside. They made sure their boy was going to win. Cody got the victory over Wardlow. Heading into uh, Revolution. Um, So let's talk about this week's show. This week's show was from Kansas City, Missouri. Like I said, a very strong go-home show leading into Revolution. So we started off with the 30-man Iron Man match between Kenny Omega and the Bastard Pack. Now, Pack has been trying to get a rubber match with him for the longest He has been challenging him, challenging him, challenging him. Kenny's been blowing him off. He said, you know what? Fine, you got your match. And me and War Machine, we talked about this on the Elite Count. Go check it out on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash 3CountMafia. Kenny Omega is not a very good friend. Let's just go ahead and throw it out there. Kenny Omega is not a very good friend. Here's what we mean by this. Now, he's part of the Elite, right? When Cody gets jumped... Kenny's there. When the Young Bucks get jumped, Kenny's there. When Heyman gets jumped, even though Heyman really doesn't care about him, he's there, being Kenny Omega. Alright? When Riho got threatened somewhat by Pac, uh, he was not there. When she got powerbombed on a table that did not break by Nyla Rose, Kenny Omega was not there. 
when it comes to Michael Nakazawa, he is definitely not there. He is like the worst friend when it comes to Michael Nakazawa. You saw on the Elite this week, on Being the Elite, uh, he got punched in the stomach by Nyla Rose. Where was Kenny Omega? Nowhere to be seen. When Kenny Omega got, when Michael Nakazawa got beat up by Pac a few weeks ago, if you remember when he was in the locker room on Dynamite, where was Kenny Omega? He was looking for Pac. It literally took him the whole show to find Pac. He did not go save Michael Nakazawa. Kenny Omega is a bad friend, only to certain people. So you get the pattern. Do you get the pattern that I'm that I'm giving you? Do you see what I'm saying? But anyway, enough of all that. This was one of the best Iron Man matches I have seen in a long time. Uh, War Machine said this was up there with uh, Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle or Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar on SmackDown. I'd put it up there with the 30-woman Iron Man match from uh, NXT TakeOver Respect between Sasha Bates and Bayley for the NXT Women's Championship. That was amazing. It was very emotional, but it was amazing. This was awesome as well. I mean, Pac, he did everything he could to just wear out Kenny Omega. Uh, Pac got disqualified for the first fall when he hit Kenny with a steel chair. Moments after he did that, he hit the black arrow. He got a fall, so it was tied. And then he just kept putting Kenny Omega in the, uh, in the brutalizer. Kenny would not tap. Uh, he was not happy. He took out the referee. Referee Aubrey came down. We went to sudden death. And uh, at one point, Pac hit a um, a falcon arrow on the floor to Kenny Omega. And you could hear when Kenny Omega went splat on the floor. Later after that, Pac grabbed the table. And he hit a 450 on Kenny through the table. Now, my first instinct was that Kenny was going to roll off the table. Pac was going to go exploding through the table. But nope, he he went through the table, being Kenny Omega. Uh, Kenny, he later made the comeback. He later made the comeback. A very, very solid 30-minute 30 30 Iron Man match. He hit the one-winged angel. And Kenny Omega wins two matches to one in sudden death. They got a standing ovation, as well they should have. This was just fan-freaking-tastic. Afterwards, Tony Schiavone interviewed Pac. Pac was not happy. Uh, Out came freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. Yes, freshly squeezed. Uh, He got in the face of Pac. He was going to put his hands in his pockets until Pac punched him in the jaw, laid him out. And, yeah, the fans were not happy. Security had to break it up. But we would see uh, Freshly Squeezed later on. I'll talk more about him and the Bunny. Um, Next, we had a six-man tag team match involving Sammy Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz. Three-fifths of, as they called, the Pain Maker Posse. I will talk more about that a little later. Because I found that very, I just found it funny. The Pain Maker Posse. Anyway, they took on the team of a baby, a boy, and their dinosaur, as I like to call them, Jurassic Express. This was this was good. I mean, you got three, you got six of the best competitors in AEW. Darby Allen made his presence known. Uh, he grabbed the sock from, I believe it was Ortiz or Sammy, and uh, yeah, 
No, he grabbed it from Sammy, and he took Sammy out. And because of that, Jurassic Express got the victory. Uh, at one point before that, they were ganging up on Jungle Boy. But apparently the gang mentality did not work because, again, Jurassic Express got the victory. Uh, Darby Allen he grabbed the cue cards. And on the last cue cards, he said, um, the coffin will drop. And when I saw that, I told War Machine they need to make a shirt because I would buy that. I would wear that. The coffin will drop with a drawing of a coffin because his finisher is called the coffin drop. Again, they need to make a shirt. I would wear that. So like I said, Darby Allen, he's looking for retribution at Revolution against Sammy Guevara. Then we had the best friends being accompanied by freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy taking on the Butcher and the Blade being accompanied by the Bunny. This was, I I mean, let's just say uh, Trent, he's one of the most underrated wrestlers in all of professional wrestling. He hit a nice spear against the Blade, I believe, because he rammed him into the uh, guardrails and he just bounced back and hit him with a spear. So uh, Trent is very underrated, but uh, they're a very good tag team, being he and Chucky e. T. Uh, during the match, the Blade, no, the Bunny and Orange Cassidy rolled into the ring, right? Now, if you recall last week, uh, the Bunny kit, um, he kit, she kit Orange Cassidy in his pulp, you know, because he's Orange Cassidy. You get what I'm saying there? Anyway, basically, she kicked them in the balls, right? So they rolled in the ring. He's about to put his hands in the pockets. You know, the crowd goes crazy, right? And the bunny takes his glasses off. She puts his glasses on. And she's about to kick him in the balls again, but he catches her. He takes her uh, bunny ears off. He puts them on his head. And uh, the blade comes in. He's about to take out the... He's about to take out Orange Cassie. He ducks. He goes out for a suicide dive, right? The blade gets caught with strong zero. And because of that, uh, best friends pick up the victory. Later on, Tony Schiavone got in the ring. He interviewed best friends in Orange Cassidy. Uh, He said that they made it official. It will be at Revolution. The Bastard Pack taking on freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. My, my, my. I don't know how to feel about that match. I think that match will be funny. Uh, I think Orange Cassidy will surprise a lot of people. But it is official. Afterwards, Tony Schiavone got the glasses put on him by Freshly Squeezed. Uh, He did his infamous uh, thumb pose. Then they all gave him a hug. The crowd went crazy. Camera zoomed out. So Tony Schiavone is Freshly Squeezed, I guess you can say. And like I said on social media, you can tell Tony Schiavone's having fun. I grew up on Tony Schiavone. I'm glad he's back. You can tell he had fun with this. So it was a cool moment. So again, Pac versus Orange Cassidy at Revolution. We had a four-way match involving Yuka Nakazawa, Big Swole, Shauna, and Hikaru Shida. This This was okay. I mean, a few botches here and there, but you got four of the best women in AEW. Uh, Big Swole picked up the vi- No, I'm sorry. Hikaru Shida picked up the victory. I think she's like the number two or number three contender in the women's division. So, you know, it was okay. You know, could have been better. But again, Shida got the victory. 
Then we had the weigh-in between Chris Jericho and John Moxley setting up their match uh, this Saturday for the AEW World Championship. That is the main event. Uh, the inner circle, as they're called, were called the Pain Maker Posse, and they came out in track suits. Again, if you go to our YouTube channel, the Elite Count, we talk about that. Now, you look at all the groups, all the factions, if you will, in professional wrestling that have track suits. Bullet Club got track suits. Undisputed Air got track suits. Imperium got track suits. The Inner Circle now have track suits. Um, who else? Another group that I'm thinking of, I can't, I can't call. Uh, but yeah, every group that you can possibly think of in wrestling now, they have tracks. Oh, Strictly Business, if you watch NWA Power, what do they have? Track suits. Now, like I said last night, just me personally, I don't know how y'all feel about it. But when I was growing up, I had, you know, the little warm-up suit, the track suits. I hated the pants. I have always hated the pants. I love the jacket. I wear jacket death, but I hate the pants because it sounds like aluminum foil ruffling together. Sounds like they're just shuffling against, sounds like pieces of aluminum foil shuffling against each other. I hated the pants, but I love the jacket, right? But yeah, they came out, black suits, black track suits with the red trim. You know, they literally promoted this like a big fight feel, like a boxing match or an MMA fight or something, right? Um... They even had the banner up in the arena, which I thought was cool. Um, Moxley came down first, then Chris Jericho. Moxley weighed in at 234 pounds. Chris Jericho, you know, he's taking his time. He told Kansas City, hey, Kansas City, shut your ass. And called Patrick Mahomes a piece of shit. You know, Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback of the world champion Kansas City Chiefs. So you get what I'm saying there. Um... Yeah, this weigh-in was pretty interesting, if you will. Uh, when Chris Jericho was going on scale, he got headbutted or something like that. I can't remember what happened. I think he was going on the scale. But he got headbutted pretty hard, like above the nose, like kind of like kind of towards the bridge of the nose. And he was busted wide open. The inner circle, or I'm sorry, the pain maker posse, they jumped on Mott's. Uh, Dustin Rhodes came down. He and Jake Hager were battling throughout the arena into the concession stand. Now, here's my problem with this. Jake Hager, he came out there wearing a hat, right? My problem is, why would you put the hat back on and he wore it backwards? Why would you put the hat back on when you're getting your ass kicked? Why are you putting your hat back on when you're getting beat up? That makes no sense. That made no sense to me. Why did you, why, like, why did he do that? It made no sense. Um, Darby Allen, he came out there. You know, he tried to make the save from Mott's. Um, but he got beat up. He got hit with either a vicious kick or a knee, and you could hear it. You could hear it like he got smacked in the face. You could hear the clap as soon as it happened. Uh, he got hit in the head with his own skateboard. And Darby's skateboard broke in half. So Sam Guevara was trying to send a message there to one uh, Darby Allen. And to set the, to top this all off, Moxley and Jericho were battling. They were brawling. Moxley got hit with his own move. He got hit with the death. He got hit with the paradigm shift. 
by Chris Jericho on the scale. And afterwards, Jericho held the title up, and that's how we ended AEW Dynamite. A very awesome show. So, you know what? Let's just go ahead and talk about it. Let me go ahead and flip my notes. Hold on just a second. I need to turn my lamp on here. So, let's just go ahead and talk about it. AEW's Revolution from the Trust Arena in Chicago this Saturday on pay-per-view. While we're talking about AEW, let's go ahead and talk about it. Uh, there are eight matches on the card last I saw. Unless they add another match or whatever. So, we're going to start off with SCU. This match was added, I guess, today as of this recording. They're going to be taking on the Dark Order. Now, the question is with the Dark Order, who is the exalted one? Now, last week when they were in Atlanta, I did not see this. I don't know how the hell I missed this. But Raven was sitting in the audience. Yes, Raven. He was sitting in the audience. Could he be the exalted one? I don't know. Let's find out. Um, Lance Archer. Let's talk about that. He has signed with AEW. Um, he's going to make his debut next week in Denver. Um, the fallout from Revolution is going to happen. So could he be the exalted one? I don't know. There have been a lot of rumors. Um, during the show, I think it was Evil Uno or uh, the other guy. He said that SCU will be obsolete. So you know Matt Hardy's contract is coming up. Could he be the exalted one? You know, he dropped a little reference there. You know, that 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 got people interesting. That got people interested. I'm sorry. Um The Dark Order, you know, not many fans not many fans are interested in the Dark Order, but I think this has this has people tuned in to what the Dark Order are going to do. The question is, will the Exalted One make his debut this Saturday at Revolution in Chicago? But Getting back to this match, I think this should be an okay match. This should be decent. That being said, I'm going to take the Dark Order. And I think that the Exalted One will show his face. The Exalted One will make his debut. The question is, again, who is the Exalted One? A lot of questions, a lot of questions to be answered, if you will. So we will find out. Hopefully at Revolution or after Revolution, we shall see. But I'm picking the Dark Order. The Bastard Pack. He will take on freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. I talked about what happened last night on Dynamite. You know, a lot of people are not in tune with Orange Cassidy. You know, Pack. I mean, how could you not like that guy? He's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Honestly, this is how WWE should have booked Pack when he was Neville. In WWE, this is how they should have booked him. But Orange Cassidy, he may surprise a lot of people. We don't know. We shall see. Um, I would be shocked if Orange Cassidy pulls off the upset, if you will. Uh, but I'm going with the Bastard Pack. I think Pack, once he hits that black ar- that black arrow or the brutalizer, is pretty much done. Dada is pretty much over with. So I'm picking the Bastard Pack. The AEW Women's World Championship is on the line as the native beast Nyla Rose will defend her championship. Her first defense. I think this is her first defense. I can't remember. I've lost count. Anyway, she will take on Chris Statlander. Now, Chris Statlander has had a shot at the championship before. It didn't go well. Nyla Rose, she's looking to um, continue her dominance in the women's division. 
I know a lot of people don't like that based on the fact that she's trans and all that. I think people need to shut the hell up. But that's neither here nor there. I think this should be a decent match. I think it's too early to uh, take the belt off Nyla because she just won the belt a couple weeks ago. Chris Statlander, you know, she'll win the belt sooner or later in the future. But I think this is Nyla's time. I got the Native Beast retaining the championship. She still will remain your AEW Women's Champion. Darby Allen. He will take on the douchebag of the Pain Maker Posse, a.k.a. the Inner Circle, Sammy Guevara. Now, as I mentioned, Sammy Guevara, he tried to take out or wipe out, if you will, one Darby Allen. Darby Allen is out for blood. He's out for retribution against Sammy Guevara. As far as I'm concerned, I'm going to take Sammy Guevara. I think Sammy Guevara will find a way to get the W and overcome the odds known as the Inner Circle and Sammy Guevara. Next, we have the World Tag Team Championships on the line as the Hangman, Adam Page, and Kenny Omega will defend against the Young Bucks. Now, if you recall last night, uh, there was a sit-down interview with Jim Ross. He interviewed uh, the Tag Champs and the Young Bucks. Matt and Nick talked about, you know, how they're all friends and how they never imagined that Kenny Omega and... Hangman would be the tag team champs. You know, a lot of people thought coming in, you know, AEW being the big thing that it is now, the Young Bucks would be the tag champs, you know, but unfortunately right now they're not. You know, Kenny said, well, this was a mistake. I guess Hangman took it the wrong way, like saying, you know, I'm a mistake that you're, that I'm your partner, so on and so forth. It got heated. Um, It got very heated. You know, Kenny's trying to play peacemaker, if you will. Uh, Matt and Nick Jackson, during the interview, they told uh, Hangman that he was a jobber in Ring of Honor. Yes, they name-dropped Ring of Honor. And that if it wasn't for them, he wouldn't be in Bullet Club and be the star that he is. And um, Hangman was like, well, this is the best moment of my career right now. You guys are trying to take this away from me. I'm out. And, of course, his cup was empty, so he didn't have no beer. I've said it for weeks. A lot of people have said it for weeks. A lot of people have seen what's going on with Kenny Omega and Hangman. You know, the dysfunction between them uh, is evident. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Um, but they still find a way to be a cohesive unit when need be. Despite Hangman's uh, obvious um, demeanor towards Kenny Omega. He really doesn't give a shit about Kenny. And evidently that Hank, that heel turn from Hangman Page will come eventually. I'm still, I've said it for weeks. The, pl- the seeds have been planted. The heel turn will come. I'm taking the Young Bucks to become the new tag team champions. That heel turn from Hangman Page will happen this Saturday. They will drop the belts to the Young Bucks. So we will see hopefully something between Kenny Omega and Hangman. You know, the cohesiveness will not work. It will, but towards the end, it won't. Because again, Matt and Nick, I see them being the new champs, so I'm taking the Young Bucks. Like I said, that that heel turn from Heyman Page to Kenny Omega, oh, it's coming. Next, we have the natural Dustin Rhodes taking on Jake Hager, one-fifth of the Pain Maker Posse, a.k.a. the Inner Circle. Now, if you recall a couple months ago, um, Jake Hager broke um, Dustin's arm 
um, he smashed the limousine door against Dustin Rhodes' arm. And Dustin Rhodes has been out for revenge ever since. Now, this is Jake Hager's first match officially in AEW. Now, he's been doing his MMA thing. Now, um, I could be wrong on this because, you know, they could easily give Jake Hager his first win. But I'm going to take the natural. I think the natural will find some way to get his retribution for the broken arm that he received from Jake Hager. So I'm taking, Dust I'm taking Dustin Rhodes. Next, we have a blood feud, if you will. Uh, MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, arguably the best heel in all of professional wrestling, taking on Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare. Now, if you recall, this goes back towards uh full gear their last pay-per-view back in november yeah back in november and even before when cody was challenging for the world title um he mentioned beforehand that if he lost he would never challenge again for the world title we all saw the eventual heel turn from mjf towards cody and mjf told cody that your thumb is not big enough to hold me down and, of course, we had the stipulations and so on and so forth. Um, MJF is basically trying to be bigger than Cody. Cody looked at MJF as like a, uh, like a little brother, like he took him under his wing, so on and so forth. And he's been trying to poke the bear, poke the bear, you know. But Cody, he's, he's trying to find a way to um, get his own payback. I'm, I'm very skeptical I was very skeptical of who I wanted to win because I flipped the coin in my head. You know, heads was Cody, tails was MJF. I like both guys personally, but this is going to be one hell of a match. You got two of the best guys, heel and face, in all of AEW, in all of wrestling. So that being said, I'm going to take Cody. I think the American Nightmare will find a way to get his win over, um, over MJF. Of course, MJF will have Wardlow by his side. Cody will have Coach Anderson, Arn Anderson by his side. You know, there will be some involvement probably from Brandy, so on and so forth. But I'm picking Cody. And in the main event, we have um, the AEW world title on the line as the Painmaker, the leader of the Painmaker Posse, the Inner Circle, Trish, Chris Jericho, Le Champion. He will take on John Moxley. Now, this goes back to when... Uh, John Moxley was offered to join the inner circle. He would get a $700,000 plus car, 49% stake in the inner circle enterprises, so on and so forth. Uh, basically, Moxley outsmarted the inner circle, and they've been trying to take him down ever since. This should be one hell of a title fight, you know, as they promoted it last night. This is a big fight feel, as they say in WWE, a big fight feel. And it's the same way here in AEW. All that being said, I'm going to take John Moxley to walk out of Chicago, the new AEW World Champion. I think Le Champion's time as the champion, the first ever champion, I think his reign will come to an end. So I'm picking John Moxley. Now, let's talk some AEW Dark when they were in Atlanta. As I'm flipping my notes here. Uh, let's see. Oh, yes. AEW Dark. Uh, like I said, they were from Atlanta. This was from this Tuesday's ep this past Tuesday's episode. 
Uh, we kicked off the show with Jimmy Havoc taking on Marco Stunt. Now, Jimmy, you know, he came out he came out of the gate strong, but evidently wasn't enough because, of course, Jimmy Havoc got the victory over Marco Stunt as the rest of Jurassic Express uh, were watching along. Uh, Luther and Mel were on stage watching. I don't know what was going on there, but they were watching as everyone else. Uh, but again, Jimmy Havoc picked up the victory. Next, we had the Dark Order, or as Jim Cornette calls them, the Dark Odor, taking on Shima and T-Hawk of the Stronghearts. The Dark Order picked up the victory. The Stronghearts, you know, they did all they can. They did all they could to take out uh, the Dark Order, but evidently it wasn't enough. Dark Order picked up the victory. Uh, next, we had an amazing Falls Count Anywhere match. Involving super bad Kip Sabian along with Penelope Ford taking on the bad boy Joey Janela. Uh, Joey Janela, before he could even come out, he low blowed Kip Sabian as they were on stage heading down to the ring. And all hell broke loose afterwards. These two just went all over the place from the stage to the crowd to the ring. Tables were involved. Penelope got involved. I mean, that girl is tough. Say what you want about Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford, and Joey Janela. That girl is tough. I don't care what you say. That girl is one bad cookie. Anyway, um, Joey Janela got the victory. Uh, towards the end, he picked up Penelope. Um, he had her in like a uh, press position, like he was about to throw her or whatever. And he threw her against uh, Kip Sabian, and they both fell. Uh, against some tables, none of them broke, however, but uh, Joey Janela picked up the victory over Kip Sabian, a very good false count anywhere match, I suggest you watch this match, very good, and in the main event, Sean Spears and the P Peter Avalon, the librarian, they took on the natural Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall of the Nightmare family, uh, Sean Spears, he and Tully Blanchard are still trying to find a tag team partner for Sean Spears. And again, it was the librarian who I think is just complete and utter trash. Uh, basically, Sean left his partner laying, left them hanging, if you will, because um, Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall picked up the victory. This was QT Marshall's first victory in AEW. So, yeah, it didn't work because, of course, uh. Leva Bates got involved. That didn't work. Brandy, she took out Leva Bates. So, yeah. This was just a match not made for good use. Or a match made in hell, if you will. Like I said, Peter Avalon is just straight up garbage. But it's the librarian. So, we all have to... Shh. Anyway. Let's talk some MLW. Major League Wrestling. Uh, fusion from this past weekend... I thought it was a pretty interesting episode, especially towards the end with almost having a riot in Dallas. I'll talk more about that a little later. Uh, but we started off with Moonshine Mantel taking on Lo Logan Creed. Yes, let me repeat that again. Moonshine Mantel took on Logan Creed. He's the former Grogan, the former bodyguard of the dynasty. He says that he will no longer go by that name. His name is now Logan Creed. And he made good work of one uh, Moonshine Mantel. Logan Creed picked up the victory. Then we went to a segment involving the Dynasty, their Rich and Dynastic segment, where they talked about no longer needing the services of Logan Creed 
And now they were focusing on one Mance Warner. He said, being, I think it was Richard Holiday, where he said, if he wants to take something from us, we have to take everything from him. So we would see what would happen a little later. Uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, they dropped their top 10. As far as the World Heavyweight title is concerned, Davy Boy Smith is number one. So looks like he's in line of, he's in line for a future shot at the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Eric Stevens, he made his debut for Major League Wrestling as he took on Douglas James. This was good. I enjoyed this match. Uh, Eric Stevens picked up the victory in his debut. A very solid match, if you will, for one Eric Stevens. The Dynasty, as they were entering, I guess, a restaurant. Well, they showed Mance Warner. They showed last week when him and Logan Creed now had their little interaction. And he let him in the building. And Logan said, yeah, MJF is a big asshole. And even old Mancer agreed. So anyway, uh, as he was walking out, the Dynasty was walking in. And he and uh, Alex Hammerstone said, we left something for you. Looks like his uncle, I believe. I think that's his uncle. Basically got laid out by the Dynasty. And um, Mance Warner's going to speak about that come next week. And he's not happy about that. So the dynasty sending old Manser a little message to begin with. Um, we move on to King Mo. King Mo took on Dr. Dax. Let me repeat that. King Mo took on Dr. Dax. Now that sounds like some WCW type shit. I thought about that as I was watching this. I said, this sounds like some shit from 1992. Dr. Dax. Anyway, before this, they showed where Loki was being interviewed. And I guess um, King Mo was confronting him, basically trying to start some stuff with Loki. So that should be interesting. But King Mo submitted Dr. Dax in quick fashion. He made short work of Dr. Dax. Next week... L.A. Park makes his long-awaited return since their last pay-per-view. He and his son, known as Los Parts, will take on Contra Unit in a Lumberjack match. Uh, Injustice's own Cotto Brazil and Jordan Oliver, they will take on the team of Laredo Kid and Zenshi. And as I mentioned, Mance Warner will have something to say about what the Dynasty did next week. And in the grudge match, in the main event, we had Filthy Tom Lawler, who was trying to get rid of the Von Erichs, taking on one half of the Von Erichs, the World Tag Team Champions, Ross Von Erich. Um, This was good, but Ross, he got the victory. Well, it was an okay match. I take that bet. It, it was okay. Ross got the victory, however, by disqualification. When Dominic Gorini got involved, um, Marshall Von Erich, he came down to save his brother until he got attacked by Eric Stevens, which was shocking because earlier in the day, he just made his debut. So now he's a part of Team, team Filthy. And they were just beating down the Von Erics in their hometown, in front of their home crowd, crowd going crazy, almost had a riot, literally a riot, because they're beating them up. Somebody literally threw a trash can in the ring, literally a trash can. Filthy Tom Lawler, he's like dry humping the state flag, flossing with it. He threw it in the trash can. They are just almost causing a full-on riot, a full-staged riot. Like, the crowd was not happy with these guys whatsoever. So, yeah, Filthy Tom Lawler and his crew, Team Filthy, 
once again one-upping the Von Eriks. So that's how we ended the show. Now, last but not least, let's talk some NWA power. I thought this I thought this was a really, really good episode. Some interesting stuff went down. So anyway, let's go ahead and talk about it. Uh, we kicked off the show with Tim Storm being interviewed by Dave Marquez. And he talked about his loss to Tom Latimer, the whole fake Mama Storm thing, so on and so forth. Tom Latimer came out saying that uh, Tim was trying to drive a wedge between him, Nick Aldis, and Strictly Business. And if it came down to it, uh, made the best man win. He mentioned that he was the best man at Nick Aldis' wedding. So he basically said that Tim Storm is old news now. Out came Danny Deals, a.k.a. the fake Mama Storm. He said, look, I'm going to make a deal with you. You got door number one. You can tag team with this guy who I got that you know pretty well or door number two. Consequences will happen. Tim Storm was like, well, can I go to door number three? Can I just not both those other doors down and go to door number three? Because I want to get my hands on you. And then he brought up, being Danny Deals, how Tim, how Tim Storm won the world title. He said, you took the world title from this person you know very well. You took his opportunities. You took his dreams. You took his goals. He said, I got this man here in the NWA, and he's here to confront you. He's 300 pounds of fury. Jats Day, former NWA world champion. As soon as he came out, he took his hood off his head. And he got face-to-face with Tim Storm. I mean, they were literally nose-to-nose, face-to-face, eye-to-eye. So so some bad blood has basically resurfaced. Let's just say that. Some bad blood has basically resurfaced. Because as Danny Deals mentioned, uh, Tim Storm basically won with shenanigans the world title from Jats Dane a couple years ago. Uh, Dave Dave Marquez went on to interview... Uh, Matt Cross, uh, Matt Cross talked about how he loves being in the NWA now and how he's here to, uh, make an impact here in the United States. They later on had it. He later on was a part of a triple threat match, a non TV title match. If you will, it was Matt Cross taking on Zicky Dice ill. Like I just, I just hate Zicky Dice. I cannot stand this guy. He took on, they took on uh, the former champion, they, fo- they took on the for- the current champion, I can't even get my words right, the current champion, the TV champion, uh, stroke daddy himself, Ricky Starks, and just when Matt Cross thought he was going to get the victory, Zicky Dice came out of nowhere by hook or by crook, and he won the match. So Zicky Dice won the match in a 30 minute time limit. And he pulled off the upset. Now, before this, he ranted and raved about the referee touching his fanny pack. Yes, people are wearing fanny packs in the year 2020. Believe it or not. Like I said, Zicky Dice picked up the victory. Uh, It was uh, Sean Mooney. He announced that next week for the TV title, uh, Zicky Dice will take on Ricky Starts for the TV title. Um... Of course, Zicky, no, Ricky Starts has to go through seven competitors in order to get a world, t- in order to get a world title shot. Can Zicky Dice finally beat him? We shall see. So, yeah, I did not like that, but it is what it is. Uh, May's Diary. Uh, 
May Valentine had another segment. I did not enjoy this. I thought it was boring. Uh, Joe Galley, he went on to interview Aaron Stevens. Aaron Stevens was basically called out by Joe saying, well, you know, every time you've defended the title, you ran. Scott Steiner, Trevor Murdoch to be exact, every time you've defended the title, you've ran. But he was like, oh, well, I've defended the title successfully. Yeah, but you still ran from these people. And you went running and you went hiding in order to keep your title. Next came out the question mark, uh, his sensei. Um, he took on Trevor Murdoch, and Trevor Murdoch won quick. He won in quick fashion. I was, um, I was very stunned by that. He won in, like, what, two minutes, if that? That's like Brock Lever, that's like Brock Lesnar type level matches. But yeah, he won in quick fashion, like three moves, and that was it. So I was very shocked by that. Um, Aaron Stevens and the question mark basically laid out Trevor Murdoch. So looks like Trevor Murdoch may get another title shot sooner or later. But yeah, they left him laying. Nick Aldis, he came out there dressed like he was going to the Kentucky Derby. He called out the villain Marty Skrull. Now, if you remember, these two will face off at the Crockett Cup, where if Marty Skrull wins, he's the world champion. If not, he has to write Nick Aldis, the national treasure, a $500,000 check because he says that the championship is worth, it's like half a million dollars to him, basically. So Marty, he's ready to go. He's taking stuff off, his jacket, his watch. He grabs his umbrella. He's ready to fight. Um, yeah. Excuse me. Outcome strictly business. Um, some of villain enterprises come down. A big brawl ensues. So, like I said, the villain Marty Skrull, he's ready to fight. He's ready to go. I cannot wait for this. Arguably, to me, this is feud of the year thus far in professional wrestling. This is arguably the top feud to me. Um, Eddie Kingston, he came out for an interview. He was ready to uh, fight the Pope. He came out there uh, wrapping his fist up in tape. Uh, Mark, Dave Marquez, you know, he's basically gloating about his accomplishments, you know, trying to interview him, but Eddie Kingston is ready to fight, the fans have gotten behind this guy, he's ready to fight the Pope, the Pope talks about whatever he does, if he wants to do it, he can do it, out come the bouncers to, I guess, support Eddie Kingston, but here's where the turn happened, when the Pope says, if I'm going to pay for some beer, I'm going to get it. And the bouncers turn on Eddie Kingston. So basically, the Pope paid them off to turn on Eddie Kingston. And the Pope was yelling at him as they decimate him. You don't cross the Pope. Sooner or later, Eddie Kingston's going to get his hands on the Pope. He's going to get his hands on him. And it's not going to be pretty. And I said, once he said that, the bouncers got paid off. So he is the... Um, he basically paid them to be his new henchmen, if you will. Where does this leave the Dawsons? Where does this where does this leave them? Because they they got taken out by the bouncers who have now turned on Eddie Kingston. So that's very interesting to say the least. But yeah, the Pope once again one upping on Eddie Kingston. So we'll see what happens in the upcoming weeks. The Rock and Roll Express, according to Sean Mooney, are now the first team to enter the Crockett Cup. So that's going to be interesting there. Well, that is interesting because it's the Rock and Roll Express. These guys have been going for like 30 plus years and they're still doing their thing. Ricky Morton is now hitting Canadian Destroyers in 2020. So go figure. 
As I mentioned, Ricky Starts will defend the TV title against Zicky Dice. And the Bouncers will challenge for the NWA World Tag Team Championships against J- the Cowboy James Storm and Eli Drake. All of that's going down next week. And we had our main event for the NWA World's Women's Championship as Thunder Rosa was defending against Molina. But there was no match because Thunder Rosa won by countout. There was no punches thrown, no slaps, no nothing. Thunder Rosa was like, okay, let's go. Let's do this. And Melina walked out. She kept pointing at her head, said, basically trying to say that I'm trying to out. Basically, she's trying to say she was trying to outsmart her, right? So, you know, she walked up the steps. Out comes Allison K. Allison K chased her down the steps. She throws a punch, throws her back in the ring, and she takes out Melina. Out comes Camille. Camille. Yes, Camille. Camille spears Allison K, breaks her in half. She stands tall, a lot going down. She is staring a hole at the women's champion. Now, Camille is a little taller, a little bigger than Thunder Rosa. And Thunder Rosa gets in the ring. You know, they're staring at each other. So this is very interesting. This is very interesting. Camille has now entered the fold. Could she be the next women's champion? I have no idea. Because you got this blood feud between Melina and Allison Kay. Melina wants the championship. Thunder Rosa is the champion. She's supposed to be friends with Melina. Camille gets involved. So there's a lot going down. And I like it. I don't know about y'all. I don't know if y'all have been watching this stuff. But I like it. I really like it. I would not be surprised. If they do a four-way, a fatal four-way for the women's championship involving Melina, Thunder Rosa, Allison Kay, and Camille, I would not be surprised. So that's how we ended the show with a stare down between Thunder Rosa and Camille. And I can tell you what, Camille ain't playing no games. Let's just say that. She may be fine and all, but she looks like she can whoop some ass. I've said that time and time again. But yeah, that's pretty much all I have for tonight's show. Um... If you like what you hear, uh, continue to listen to the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, Prime Talk with Rodimus Prime on the CastBox app. Tell your mom, dad, tell the whole world. Uh, You know the usual plugs with me. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I've changed my handle. It's now at It's Rodimus. That's my handle now. I know that sounds whack, but whatever. It's my page. Deal with it. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at it's Rodimus, Three Count Mafia. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Three Count Mafia. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Three Count Mafia. Check out all of our content. Keep up with everything that I and the group has going on. We will have a review of AEW's Revolution next week, so be on the lookout for that and anything else that we got going on. But with all that being said, this has been episode 26 of Prime Talk with Rodimus Prime. I'm Rodimus Prime. You all have a blessed week. Have a blessed weekend. Have a good night. And I'll see you guys next time.